Hi, this is the Marketing Connect Podcast. Hi, this is the Marketing Connect Podcast. Hi, this is the Marketing Connect Podcast. Hi, this is the Marketing Connect Podcast, a show where we get up close and personal with some of the most celebrated marketeers in the country. We talk to them and discover the art and science of marketing. After all, we are a show for marketeers by marketeers. Listen in. This is the very first episode of the Marketing Connect podcast and I couldn't have asked for a better guest than Sanjay Mehta. He is the co-founder and the joint CEO at Miram, one of India's leading digital agencies. Listen on. I'm Sanjay Mehta. I am currently a joint CEO at Miram. And uh, Miram is a full services digital agency. We are about uh, 11 years old now. We started out in 2009 and when we started it was called social wavelength and it was started out as a originally as a social media agency but over the years it has evolved into uh, more of a full services offering in the digital world uh, which includes uh, service offerings in creative and media uh, technology marketing automation and the works in 2014 we were acquired by wpp and uh, 2015, we were uh, sort of rechristened as Miram and made part of a global uh, digital agency brand, Miram. So we were the India part of the Miram family in the world. Other than that, uh, I've been, from a personal point of view, uh, 33 years of work experience. We started out first 10 years was in a hardcore electrical engineering kind of business. After that, about roughly 10 years in uh, a first e-commerce startup, which was called homeindia.com. And that's when the whole journey into the internet-based businesses began. And uh, post-divesting out of that, spent a couple of years uh, as a professional working for a company called Compare InfoBase Limited in Delhi before starting Social Wavelength and current journey. So I have been a digital professional for a while, uh, one of the early pe- people in this business and uh, the journey continues. So the next question yeah. is, I mean, uh, aapke both, the, both the ventures that you did, right? They were essentially ahead of the time, as in they were right before the peak for those two businesses started. So yeah. was it by design? Was it by luck? And question for you essentially, Sanjay, is that what, what do you think will help them stay ahead of the curve? In the times to come so homeindia.com definitely we were we we realized uh, of course much later that we were a little ahead of time so uh you know as, essentially the idea whether it's for entrepreneurship or even from a marketing standpoint which uh, is to some extent uh, the subject matter of this uh, article um one tends to look at consumer behavior and the evolving technology going a little forward. I mean, what is there today is well established and everybody knows it. So you're trying to see that what are going to be the next level of needs, requirements, and how the society going to evolve, what kind of service requirements will be there, and how can I be perhaps playing a role in this, in that evolution and being the one who will offer the services uh, and hopefully convert it into a commercial uh, you know opportunity for myself so that's always been the view 
And so in the case of Home India, that sort of realization had come when we started out a, an e-commerce business based out of India and selling products to, you know, initially NRIs and then the world, which whoever in the world wanted an India flavor. Um, and it was, it was good. And, you know, there was always a sense that uh, a much larger base is imminent, that it should happen just around the corner. Uh, but maybe, you know, as we are talking about, maybe we were a little ahead, maybe we were not just uh, ahead in terms of the being around the corner, but maybe three or four years ahead of time. So much as much as hard we pulled uh, to make it happen, somewhere the scale was just not happening. And at some point we reckon, reckoned that maybe it's, uh, you know, maybe we are too ahead and let, let this be. And we divested out. As it turned out, just about three or four years after we had actually, you know, parted ways, uh, the flip cards of the world became very attractive and big. So it was a matter of time, but we like we were ahead of time. In the case of social wavelength, also uh, when we got started in 2009, uh, it was early, very very early days for social media, and accordingly, early days of companies requiring a social media agency. But then again, the thought was that, you know, if you are ahead and if you develop a certain experience and expertise in, in that space, and if the market is going to be really, really large, then, you know, the fact that you were ahead, you have got a experience base and maybe credentials to flaunt. When the market becomes big, it's, it's your choice to pick the larger business op opportunities mm -hmm. which come. So with social wavelength, uh, even though we were a little ahead, but it was the timing was much better, and we sort of rode the growth wave, and you know we've been sort of there in the in the in the middle of uh, all that growth happening. So I think it was not a question of too uh, too early. In this this case, the timing kind mm -hmm. of was perfect. So I think it's a call uh, you take that you know if it's already like today, if you were to start, you know one more e-commerce business or something or you know probably one more content ott and which people are doing as uh, even as we speak about it it seems like oh my god there are like 100 already and you know you're going to be the 101st how are you going to differentiate and where will you slice out your share of the market when there, it's already so crowded i mean it's not that it can't happen but the challenge is bigger compared to if you're a little uh, early and you know you establish yourself you know you also, when you're early, what happens is that you also have the luxury of making mistakes and getting pardoned because nobody knows for be knows better. I mean, you are the first guy out there, so you can make mistakes and learn. And, uh, you know, the clients will not sort of mind it. Today, if there are certain set, it's like, you know, I was seeing some content on one of the newer OTTs. And while they had great content, in the interface, the user interface, I was saying that it's so clunky because I'm, I've got spoiled with Netflix. So if something else comes, I mean, for all the good content, I'm complaining uh, because, you know, now there is a base setup. Whereas maybe in the evolution of Netflix, they might have to look, look worse and grown. And, you know, they were the first. So, you know, say, okay, maybe, maybe this is how it's done. And then they kept getting better. So it's like that. So I think it's, it's fine uh, if you, uh, as long as you're not too ahead of time. And you're not saying that, oh, I'll wait 10 years to make something happen. That, I think, it trains you out if you're that kind of work. So, I just want to touch upon uh, Harish uh, as well. 
so you mentioned that you've been working for 33 years a large part of it in fact the majority of it has been with harish as a partner plus you guys go back to you know the college days and your us uh, post that days two questions here so one what do you think uh, has kept the relationship going for all these years because you must have had your fair of you know agreements and disagreements and and, and battles and as we say uh, you know uh, vocal disagreements and the second question is that if somebody were to start out today uh, what kind of uh, softer uh, skills or softer you know tenets would they look for in a partner to sort of work with so yeah as you rightly said harish and i go back to college times together now as all of us who been to college know that in college you obviously have you know several classmates and several people whom you meet and interact with but for whatever reason you clearly get along with some better than others something just maybe just the wavelength or maybe just just somewhere you connect at a certain level and say this is this is the right kind of person to hang out with or you know be friendly with and uh, that somehow you know happened with harish and me and uh, there there would be some i guess if you one had to analyze there would probably be some tenets which work uh, and which worked from then i mean obviously all of us as people have matured over the years so there was the you know college time you are a college and you have that streak of little you know craziness and everything and like everybody that all that happened but in spite of all that there was a connect in the sense that i i think more of more importantly i think from then and continuing to date i think both of us at various levels are very different but at various levels are, we have the similar attitude and one aspect of it is that there is a very balanced analytical approach to things and even when there could be points of view which are differing one is able to look at it from a high level of analytical process that if you are debating something around the business it's very rarely about my view versus your view it's about okay let's figure what's good for the business and like understand it in a very clinical manner and then look at what to do and things of that kind and i think even as classmates in college or we actually we went to the us happened to go to the same school so we were uh, you know sharing an apartment for a couple of years and all that so all the sort of uh, you know understanding of each other uh, ended up happening in those four five years that we spent you know as classmates and all so all you know in some ways we say that all that we needed to know about each other we kind of got to know at that time so after that it's been much smoother because we understand you know where each one comes from and you know of course like i said in in many ways from from a business approach or from what you know fineness of things which we appreciate we would be very different at many times but when it comes to the harder harder decisions uh, especially from running a business together i think we are able to align uh, very quickly because uh, we we don't get emotional from a possessive point of view of my view versus your view or my way or your way we are able to keep those aside and always look at uh, a business perspective also and at some high level of values we we have the same uh, feeling for example believe that we need to do good we need to do the right thing i mean and maybe ours is also driven from a different perspective that we want to do the right thing because we want to sleep well at night i mean we don't want to carry a baggage that 
look, we have done something wrong and, you know, something will come to bite us later. And, you know, so then you get stressful sleep and all that. We don't want to do that. So even at the cost of, you know, letting go sometimes a business opportunity or something, we'd rather do it right. I mean, most of the time, uh, almost all the time is the way. So we both agree. Somewhere I think that value system is very similar. And uh, we, I think both of us are very analytical in terms of decision making or, con, you know, in terms of analyzing things. Beyond that, there are differences and which is good because that's what brings different perspectives to the table when we are thinking about things. And um, I think somewhere with all that number of years which we have gone by, have helped to, uh, you know, sort of chisel down the relationship well and we Beyond that, like for for others, I mean, if I have to say that, you know, it's 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 difficult uh, to sort of say, okay, now let me go and look for a partner. I think, uh, you know, too many times I've I've attended these, you know, sessions in in entrepreneurship, uh, startup, uh, you know, all these conferences and all that, where they talk about, you know, okay, you're coming with technology, you need somebody with finance, so you find a finance founder and this and that. It's very it's making it look like, you know, you're you're uh, putting something together on an Excel file or something. Uh, you know, we're really talking about people here. So foremost in becoming, especially at a partner level, I mean, if you're getting an employee also, you need to think about what kind of culture you are bringing into your organization and all that. But still an employee, if it doesn't work out for some reason, you know, you can part ways quicker. But when it is in partnership, you know, there is a lot at stake. There's a lot of sweat, toil, emotions at stake. So you don't want to be thinking that, oh, you got in and now within a year you find out that you're not getting along in your part. Then it takes a huge toll. So it's important to find the right person from a from a chemistry point of view that, you know, do you, do you really think the same? And, and when you think in those early days when you're considering partnership, do you put hard questions up front with a new person that, Look, if things are going fine, you know, here's the business plan, let's get together and everything looks good because you've painted, you've drawn the Excel sheet with everything going right, we'll do 20% growth, 50% growth, this will happen, that will happen, we'll raise this money, we'll do this, we'll do that. It all looks like a nice rosy picture and everybody's excited by it. But the question to really confront is, what happens if things go wrong, right? What will be our attitude? If supposing we couldn't raise money, if we are struggling, if uh, we don't get a customer, if we, you know, we don't collect money, if we run out of cash, anything of that kind and any and everything, what is going to be the attitude? Okay, one is that what will you do at that time in terms of fending for yourself as a business? But would you panic? Would you say, oh, let me close down? Or would you say, you know, let's not pay taxes, let's do this or whatever. Just, just very openly and cleanly and even if, both of them think that, oh, yeah, we'll not pay tax. But as long as both of them think the same way, you're comfortable. If one thinks one way, another thinks another way, that's, uh, that's where the problems happen. So just basically confronting those kinds of issues and thinking that, okay, are you sure? Sometimes you'll get into a certain romanticism about, you know, your venture and, you know, you finally found somebody who could work out that you tend to, you know, ignore some chinks which are there to see because you're, you know, sort of, like your mind is closed because you're so excited about just moving forward. But that's the problem. You know, when over our journey, both in home India as well as in uh, social wavelength, 
uh, we've, we've had prospects of, you know, investors coming. Mm -hmm. Besides the two of us, we were anyway there, but we had prospects of investors mm -hmm. keen to invest and reaching a point. And, you know, investor is also like a long-term partner. So we've taken this effort to try to know the investor as well, not just a, like a partner, partner, but an investor also. We've said we'll, we'll have a meal or two with the person informally to really understand you know, at a, at a core level, what kind of person this is, you know, what excites them, what doesn't excite, what are the, like, you know, I mean, just generally what do they talk about, what they hold high in their, uh, in, in their priorities, just to know each other, that is this the kind of person that, you know, we would spend next several years with. So, likewise, I mean, for understanding that uh, chemistry and connect is very, very important besides, of course, finding the complementary nature of, you know, filling in the gaps that you're looking for in your yes. organization. As a marketer, what kind of information do you seek out on a daily basis? In the world where we have so much of noise going around, how do you sift out what to read, what yeah. not to read, how to keep abreast with what is happening in the, in the world? So actually, in many ways, it's an interesting question that, you know, uh, I started social wavelength at age 46, mm -hmm. when I was 46. So uh, it was a big leap to take because that's not an ideal age to start a venture and you know take a, take chances mm -hmm. in life. But while I was comfortable with almost everything else, that you know this field, I think I I have a good sense of what what I'm getting into, and I have a reasonably good sense of what we need to do to build a business. And all the once insecurity I had in my mind was that should the space is changing so rapidly, constantly new things are going to happen. How will I keep pace? Because if I'm in the business, I'm expected to stay ahead and, you know, tell my client that, oh, this is new and that is new and all that. That was indeed one of the fears that I had. It was not very easy. Anyway, I don't want to go into how I overcame the fear, fear and all that. But today what happens is that uh, you, you uh, first of all, at an individual level, you know, over time, one has tended to you know, sort of find interesting people uh, whose content you respect or interesting Twitter handles or interesting blogs and podcasts that you have seen and read and heard. Now, you would have heard much more than what you what you are seeing now or what you're reading, but you find which ones are the ones which really inspire you and really get you, uh, you know, getting to the next level. So you tend to make make your choices basis those you know so you need to read a lot to find which ones are good you need to listen to a lot of podcasts to find the few which are good over time i've done all that you know books and everything and uh, even uh, you know following the right kind of people so with all that having a reasonably decent network of people in the, in the industry outside industry one is able to get one is able to discover interesting stuff through a typical active social media presence and all that. And then, of course, follow your nose to, f to sort of go, go to places which you sense to be relevant, more relevant than others. So it's, uh, it's been, I think, uh, A, to uh, sort of read a lot or you know, listen to a lot before figuring which ones mm -hmm. seem to make the most sense. And beyond that, when something shows up in front of you on a, on right. a social media platform, like smell it out that this should be relevant and interesting and basis that think i mean one is never like absolutely on top but 
uh, I think I pick a, a reasonably decent amount of relevant content and information mm-hmm. for for myself. If you want to remain at a cutting edge and you want to constantly be up there, you have to develop that habit of uh, you know constantly finding content, reading, and most importantly to manage not getting overwhelmed by the volume mm-hmm. which is out there. To pick and choose and be comfortable with not pursuing everything. I mean that that FOMO should not happen here because that FOMO leaves you like helpless that oh my god I didn't read that or oh, I have not seen that podcast or I have not read that it's okay whatever extent you know and also time is only limited so the extent that you can and as long as it's a reasonable case so I think in my case I I'm okay I'm comfortable with the extent of uh, you know updates I keep and get I'm not absolutely on top but I manage a lot and partly I think I I end up running long days and I've got used to that. I'm, I probably sleep around on an average of about six wow. hours every day. So that's a good 18 hours of uh, wake up waking time, which nice. is well utilized, cool. I think. Is there anything else that you do? Like you once, once upon a time, you mentioned that you enjoy squat, you enjoy walking. So do you think there are any, are there any other places hmm. that you use to gain uh, what is happening around you? You know, I mean, when I probably when I got started, they were a little uh, different, but I think a lot of these practices, a lot of people also follow now. I mean, I, you know, uh, whenever I'm yeah. not driving and I'm muting, I will try to utilize as much, most of the time, unless I'm hard-pressed for some work or some calls to make. Otherwise, I'm listening to some podcasts. I'm always eager to find something more interesting to listen to. Um, I mean, I, I, I have done a lot of audio book reading. I, mm-hmm. So, I mean, time is always a con- constraint. So, if you're able to... So, if I'm just walking, I mean, ideally people say that you know, I have to be uh, mindful of walking also and really put all your mind and energy yeah. into walking and what kind of steps you take. So, you shouldn't ideally not get uh, yeah. anything, any yeah. other input. Now, I have not been that mindful. So, while my physical... You know, walking thing happens, and my hopefully my you know uh, muscles are getting stretched and whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, all that exercise happening, but my mind is uh, free, and I'm still consuming uh, content. Uh, and I think, as you know, I'm quite um, active on Twitter. I think I have a decent set of mm-hmm. people I follow, and basis which interesting content keeps hopping up on my Twitter feed. I par- I'm part of some good WhatsApp groups which. Uh, genuinely feed me with uh, interesting stuff uh, I, I mean I value being on some of those groups and it's across the board mm-hmm. it's not just marketing I mean I have groups which are on you know investing and there are groups which is general you know like you know staying on top on current topics mm-hmm. and all that so uh, fortunately I don't need so much to go and look for mm-hmm. things as much as things tend to come come on my feed uh, yeah. Because of this Got network, this. so so as a marketer, how do you uh, right. how do you train yourself to understand the consumers? I I might be saying this uh, slightly immodestly, and I'm not sure if uh, you know if it is really something different. But I feel I I have that slightly different training, or somewhere from a very early age since mm-hmm. I started working. I don't know why. Maybe it's the genes of a and family which mm-hmm. I come from and all that but uh, generally observing life right if I'm just even if I'm passing by if I'm looking at a dukan nearby or a 
or a new parlor which mm-hmm. shows up or whatever the the thing going in my head for whatever reason is like what will make this successful why will it work not work and why it will work and why it won't work and you know like is the location right are they you know are they have they, have they got the name correct here is this something which mm-hmm. will resonate with this community and it could be, it's not just b2c businesses but even b2b in some i mean oh this is aluminum die casting business and this guy is connected to bajaj family and they will be in a position to supply these to bajaj auto and that's mm-hmm. why they should do well and एल्यूमिनियम का प्राइस आजकल इतना चल रहा है मशीन इतना है आई मीन आई हैव गॉट नथिंग टू डू विद इट बट माय हेड इज स्पिनिंग ऑल दिस वेरी इंट्यूटिवली आई मीन इट्स नॉट लाइक समबडी इज आस्क मी अ क्वेश्चन एंड से ओ एनालाइज दिस बिजनेस बट आई डोंट नो व्हाई इट्स इट्स हैपेंड फ्रॉम अ वेरी अर्ली एज एंड आई मीन आई थिंक व्हेन व्हेन पीपल आस्क मी लॉट ऑफ टाइम्स डिफरेंट काइंड्स ऑफ बिजनेस एंटरप्रेन्योर्स एंड अदर्स कम वांट टू बाउंस थिंग्स ऑफ i find myself and uh, like i said i'm talking about it very immodestly but i think my people who have listened to me found value that i'm able to give them a valuable input across variety mm-hmm. of businesses uh because i seem to kind of zero down on their core challenges and core issues you know and then tell them exactly maybe where mm-hmm. they can get help now i i feel that i i do that well now that that's the intuitive approach which which means also that look if i am in a mall and i'm seeing a new store come up and you know, i i'm sensing that okay this is the high end fashion and this is a different kind of community yahan pe located hai usko if this guy has to succeed i mean how will he draw a certain kind of audience here or will he also start putting the product down at a lower level or or what is the kind of person who is walking in and you know what's a what is the sense of the demography that the person belongs and Does he come out with a bag, or is he just going there to, you know, enjoy the mm-hmm. air conditioning or what? So all these things have been sort of intuitively, you know, it's like mm-hmm. a second nature somehow, and that seems to have helped me in um, when I've go- become like a so-called professional marketer now as a mm-hmm. as running an agency. So it was not there; I was not in that space. But so I think it's helped me in naturally taking up. even when i was doing those other thing right when i was doing my family business i was in very mm-hmm. industrial kind of work and if i was aspiring that time that if i had to do something else somewhere in my mind it was all about consumer experiential kind of work mm-hmm. that i would thrive in because i saw somewhere thought that you know i i think i can get that part well understand the uh, consumer behavior and kind of create some interesting creative approaches to drive consumers or you know make mm-hmm. them come again and all that so never got a chance to do any of that but now as a marketer i think all that hopefully all that urge or interest that i had seems to come out uh, as we think in terms of con- our clients business so if i were to use a word for this can i say that you were uh, inherently curious about the world around you and you wanted to sort of solve the puzzle in your head yeah, i i think so curious about the world uh, from a slightly you know below the surface level i mean like what is driving curious about oh curious is could be at a surfacial level there also yahan this is a new shop which has come up here the, but going below that what will make this work what is it happening with the customer little more uh, than the surface level i was curious enough and inherently curious and that's what so if if any young marketers are uh if they were to develop this muscle if i can call this a muscle uh like you mentioned they need to observe things but apart from that is there anything else that you could train them on i think curiosity is definitely the biggest factor now curiosity can 
manifest itself in the way it did for me in terms of just being, uh, you know, going out and observing things and, you know, kind of thinking about them in your head as to, um, you know, like what is, what is it about this work and this business. But otherwise, if you can't think more, I mean, the point of just being asking questions, asking and talking to people because you're curious and asking genuine sort of interest level <laughs> questions where you, where you really want to go deeper helps a lot because you're, uh, you're not <laughs> reading theory. You're talking to people who are in, in the field and trying to understand from them what's going on, what's working, what's not working. I think that's like a huge one. And unfortunately, I find young people doing less of that because today our, our world has become so much a screen-based world. So people are uh, reading articles and seeing things and they think that, okay, now I've got, I've got it. I've got my marketing or I've got you know, consumer behavior. But there is nothing like actually talking, actually observing, actually engaging and then learning because then you are able to sort of know the between the line story. So that's that's one big thing that I would believe marketers need to be doing a lot more than they are doing today. Besides that, of course, the typical stuff of, you know, you know, sort of there, there's ample available also online. So, I mean, you know, just to read going beyond theory and today, the unfortunately, we have gone into this whole short form world that people read headlines yeah. and they think they've got it. So sometimes it's important to go deeper, read longer stuff, you know, see case studies, read. I mean, genuinely, like what worked, what happened, why, how did Nike become a success? How did Starbucks become a success in its life? And, you know, what's the story of a Southwest Airlines? I mean, what, how is it different from all other airlines and what happened and what was the journey like? And all of that includes the marketing part. But I mean, it's like finally marketing is driving business success. So when you run the whole story of the business success, marketing is an inherent part, but you're learning the final, like overall, what is the, what drives the business mm -hmm. success exactly. journey. So staying on the, staying on this thing about the changing world, right? Sir, you have been, uh, you were, you've been a marketer when it was a lot more creative in the sense that you had to come with an insight crack a campaign and show it to people on, on mass media. Then you are now obviously at a business wherein uh, you use a lot of tech and data to uh, figure out what could work with people. So, uh, so that transition has happened. If I were to ask you and predict that in the next 10 years by 2030, what kind of, what would the marketing be like? Like today it's all about data and automation. What would be the buzzword in about 10 years? Would you have a, I, I think in today's day, if you can, look ahead by six months or a year, you will be a wizard. So uh, 10 years is really, really hard to think ahead. But generally speaking, at a very broad level, things which are impacting uh, everything in life and will also impact marketing in a mm -hmm. pretty big way. Uh, definitely data and analytics it is a big one. So uh, we are learning more and more that, you know, past behavior, not just yours, but of various other people and the en masse behavior and the analysis of that, the data analysis and predict can can lean, lean you into a reasonably reliable predictive ability. That if all this data is there and you are able to crunch it well, uh, you know, and obviously that crunching of that all that data was beyond what a human mind could do in 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 one way. So hence the whole ability of artificial intelligence and machine mm -hmm. learning and everything is able to do that well and is able to predict that 
okay on this day now that this back data is there and you also say say there's a film mm-hmm. which is about release and uh, you have all the elements of a film right you have the stars you have the music and you have the director and everything and then you have data about all these guys in the past there's a data about the genre of the music there's a data about mm-hmm. the genre of the film and there is the past history of each of the actors and each of the directors and all that and then there is a behavior around the teasers that you have released that okay how many people consumed it how much time they are spending at what second of the video are people cutting off and leaving you know i mean all kinds of data is being captured now if it's put through an ai engine is it able to say that okay on friday when the film is in the theaters so many people will land up it will run for so many days with certain x level of you know mm-hmm. theater occupancy etc i mean you could possibly do that provided provided you do this next 10 things in terms of marketing that now since you have done this teasers now between now and friday put these banners here or put this kind of communication here because that's what is working you know enhance this particular music because that's getting people excited put this so there is the past all the data churned out then predict something that okay you still it's not like okay now you're done now just wait for friday and you know count the money it's not like so now to friday you know do all these things and then see that you get the the actual impact which you're you know predicting that would happen so it's getting into the scheme where data mm-hmm. is going to play a big role but like i said you still need to get your you know the music right or the you know banners right and all that because that's getting to basis that the next behavior is being driven so obviously data and creative coming together ai machine language all that coming together so all those things continue to mm-hmm. be playing a role uh, today they are nice buzzwords and you know, like you'll find that one case study which did something and mm-hmm. won a can and all that uh, going forward it will become far more common place and a lot more people will be doing it so you know those are the coming obviously there'll be voice now voice voice is a means for example is going to put a very different challenge to the digital marketer first especially that you know when i ask my alexa device or my google home or something about something it's not telling me 10 answers it's giving me one or two suggestions uh, now how in a, you know today in a search engine you know so many people uh, you know so many different combinations people go up and down and see now how is it going to happen how will the marketer manage to make sure that his product or brand comes out when people are asking for suggestions mm-hmm. on something hey, which which television should i buy supposing tomorrow google home is supposed to start mm-hmm. guiding you on that how do you make sure that yours is the one which starts coming up as a yeah. you know preference and all that so there's a, a lot of technology dependence uh, a lot of science and then of course uh, an element of creative will mm-hmm. continue to drive that and uh, we'll see i mean beyond that it's uh, it's a lot of things will happen between now and 2030 for example to we'll have to keep looking at it in the next fortnight <laughs> next month yeah. two months three months next quarter is the what we can keep planning for and other things we wait and watch for the bigger development i mean you need to keep your head above on the big developments and see what impact it can have in your business But, but uh, detail integrity will will be planned on a short short period basis so uh, next is a favorite buzzword with a lot of clients these days cause led marketing where the brands say that we'll take a stand mm. which is larger than the brand per se and uh, we would then create all yeah. our communication in fact some in some cases they tweak the company to actually 
you know, rally behind their entire cause. I just want to understand your opinion on that. Yeah. How does digital play a role in, you know, amplifying those causes? In in the past, my view had been that, you know, I was thinking about this as like a very sort of uh, pretentious thing that brands would do. You know, there was this, some telecom brand which had taken up the case of Tiger yeah. or mm-hmm. something like that. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like this is a, this is is not sounding sincere at all and they're just trying to you know do a one-off and i don't think it was successful i don't think you know consumer was a sucker to buy into such one-off random campaigns of that kind and that had been my view that like really taken unless you're as a brand you're really wedded to a cause i mean and there are some brands which are wedded i mean they they have a i mean if you look at a tata tea and you know you see yeah. a jagore and all that there is a very strong association which is there for a period of time. It's not a like, okay, you know, let's do a campaign around some Jagore kind of thing. It's not. They've been consistently doing that. So then sure, you associate and maybe for a consumer also, there is a rub off to the positive spin that they're trying to give with that. Otherwise, in the past, I was looking at it and I was thinking, I, I was not one of those guys who got excited by these calls, that marketing. And I was, I was thinking, as a consumer, I thought that, you know, brands are, you know, just trying to uh, hoodwink the consumer into thinking that they care so much. But today, things have changed. I mean, you know, when you look at, so if you look at general behavioral insights and you see that there is a whole, this uh, millennial generation and, you know, people around that, age uh, definitely respect brands mm-hmm. which stand for something okay and so it's it's becoming to the extent that they would give mm-hmm. it a preference i mean even today i mean the number of posts that i've seen in recent days from people who say that look the big retail big box uh, you know e-commerce guys let us down yeah. but our kirana has helped us yeah. in this lockdown time and even when the lockdown opens, I'm going to continue to give my business to this Kirana because it stood for me mm-hmm. in my tough times. Now, it's like those are the kind of values. So, I mean, like an Amazon or a Flipkart would be a lot of convenience for a lot of people. Now, how true people are and how much they really follow through on this, uh, you know, promise right now what they're saying on social media or not. But the fact that they're actually connecting that gratitude or which they felt to uh, making saying that I'll make a business, I mean, a brand preference because of that, it, it stands for something. And, and it's and likewise, I mean, if people are actually making choice because hey, these guys have a, have a certain value system or they, they, they are respecting gender diversity or, you know, whatever are the causes that one stands for. And then you stand for it consistently through your communication, through your acts also as a brand, not just communication, not just advertising, but in terms of Actually, if there's an incident in your office, how you actually react at that point, you know, what mm-hmm. you stand for or not. In, in that sense, if you do all that in a more consistent way, then the, there is a certain audience which actually, uh, you know, respects that stand and uh, make, gives their preference to that brand. So because of commercial compulsion in a sense, you know, brands are slightly more mm-hmm. forced to take a stand don't take a stand would that work against mm-hmm. you or not i don't know so cause-led marketing is not uh, necessarily a fad or a, a campaign thing anymore if if you're as long as you're consistent and stand for something the particular demography of the audience which believes in that cause will also reward you Good. for taking that stand 
and in that respect uh, it helps so staying on uh, you briefly mentioned about how people on social media are saying that we will support the local kiranas in the time of the lockdown so two questions one how is the business communication changing right. in the post corona world and second what opportunities you see getting right. so um, at the first instance in terms of uh, the post covid world uh, and i'm saying that let's say the near future of let's say post lockdown when you know as you start resumption mm. of normal life which i hope it happens at some point right now it's not looking mm. clear as to when it will happen but uh, assuming that it happens and when i say normal see the normal of course we all realize that it's not a normal mm. it's a new normal and that new normal in, in many ways so first of all businesses small businesses even large companies would have come out of a period of losses because you know they would have not been selling for 3 yeah. months 4 months whatever or factories could have been shut or you know people would have not been productive but still salaries would have been paid and what not so everybody would be coming from an economic uh, mm-hmm. shock of sorts and coming back so in the near future i would say that i mean when i say near future probably for all of 2020 i would believe that everybody will be tightening their belts and doing communication and marketing to the extent that is necessary to actually sell so it will be very roi driven it will be very mm-hmm. dhanda oriented uh, rather than you know brand building and all that so i think that's the near future and even post that when things settle down i don't foresee in this after after the world having gone through a mm-hmm. shocker of this kind uh, which is obviously once in a lifetime or even more than that once in 100 years or something of that kind that kind of uh, thing we are going mm-hmm. through is unprecedented right so in come back the normal according to me will be different and what will be different is at a very large level is that a reduction in the consumption levels overall i mean first of all luxury you know travel or you know hotels and all which were uh, to a large extent related to the uh, excess beyond mm-hmm. necessity right it was in the comfort and luxury area whether you take a fancy vacation whether you fly out for a vacation yeah. abroad etc or go and stay yeah. in a fancy hotel and even if you do that for work i mean you know now that you realize that work can happen over a, a zoom or a microsoft teams call so anything which is beyond that is in some sense that you're going excess and earlier when it was zoom and all were not the norm and one would just say thoda kaam hai let's take a flight and hop away and you know we should do that because business was able to take that cost and everything in now all that whether it's at a business excess or at a personal level excess a lot of it is going to come down and there is a corresponding reduction so corresponding you stay at home a lot you you know for other requirements you know whether it's clothes or other things everything kind of reduced we are going into an economy or a new normal which to me will be a notch lower in terms of the larger cons- consumption economy that we were all into it will be a one notch lesser level of consumption in the first place and what that what changes with that is the extent of uh, effort and um, spend that you require to achieve your goals because if your factory was producing mm-hmm. a million units now the demand has gone down mm-hmm. to half a million and you know the consumer is the same now maybe you need to do something else to sell half a million because yeah. your targets are less half whatever first you have to scale down your cost everything some sectors will take take much longer to come back so the extent of clutter 
on all marketing spaces will reduce the fight that you had to grab eyeballs in a much more cluttered world there'll be lesser of a competition because fewer brands will actually mm-hmm. be spending money you know yes at a larger level that's the changing world that we would see post covid being more specific in terms of the shifts that one would see most certainly as you know we've seen enough articles and enough even jokes around it that you know what all our marketing efforts couldn't do in to get you know digital transformation yeah. up high on the agenda of uh, clients covid has done that for us today so uh, you know more and more clients are obviously realizing that having a very strong digital focus whether it is to actually sell on e-commerce whether it is to run business operations using digital means and marketing using digital is definitely something that uh, a realization is hugely set in as as the ceos and the cxos sitting at home and you know running their businesses on mm-hmm. zoom have realized now so some of them have already started putting out you know the internal team discussions of their own and you know as soon as they get a chance i'm sure the conversation will start with service providers mm-hmm. and agencies as well as to how can their business get transformed rapidly into a digital first kind of an uh, you know business operation so we we sure certainly see as being one of the players in that space we definitely see for miram uh, opportunity so we we definitely at this point we definitely see uh, challenges to maintain our revenues and all because of uh, the immediate impact of covid and clients reducing mm-hmm. marketing spend and everything but uh, at least uh, we believe that once things settle down the opportunities will come equally or more and hopefully we'll be able to actually come back to uh, you know from a business point of view we'll come back to you know good run rate and good growth rate and all that but that's just i'm just talking specifically about you know but in general i think yes uh, there should be a, a definite increase or acceleration towards digital means and unfortunately that will come at the cost of some of the other media which currently have been getting the share i mean we we believe that you know print is going to take a huge hit uh, it's already taking a huge hit and it'll take a further big hit in terms of dramatic reduction in the in the revenues mm-hmm. advertising and everything and uh, yeah. even things like out of home cinema I and mean, cinema for example i mean although already it is very very small percentage lost its ground a lot uh, i think for a long time in the people are not going to rush to cinema the people are not going to rush into a sports stadium with like yeah. 40000 okay. people around you uh, that vaccine is at least a two year away so all those means of marketing you know people used to take huge uh, bets on the ipl and stuff like that you know, all that money still needs to be spent and it to be i mean this is all that marketing still needs to happen what they were getting out of an ipl now they look for other means to get the same results and you know digital definitely looks like being one of the big beneficiaries of that shift so uh, do you also touch upon briefly upon the uh, opportunities that you think get will get created as a second order or third order effect i can say i think it's just still it's still such an evolving space so anything which we say today you know it's based on the way little that we really know where this world is headed so i mean you can pick some few things mm-hmm. which are likely to happen but uh, there could be a lot more in the sense pros and cons I mean, pluses and minuses which we will know once 
uh, when, you know, it, it's, it's, we are bang in the middle of it. We are, we are not in the very beginning and we are definitely not anywhere close to the end of the crisis per se. So we are still in very much in the middle, whether it lasts three months, whether it lasts six months and what kind of impact it leaves by the time it sort of goes away out of mm-hmm. life in that sense is the question mark, you know, because of the, it's, it's like hurting just so many people. I mean, the entire sort of gig workers or gig economy workers, if you call them or all the freelancers, all the, you know, we talk about the daily wage earners. They are at, like the vision comes into mind is people out in like labor and all that. But, uh, you know, a freelancer is as much a daily wage earner as a guy on the mm-hmm. you know construction side. Right. And uh, when business gets cut, I mean, at least the people who are in a company, hopefully a company is trying their best to retain them. You know, maybe there'll be yeah. salary cards or something that tries to at least not uh, kind of let them go. But somebody who was a freelancer and like those are the first things that, okay, stop all outsourcing work, do everything in-house. Our people themselves are less busy, yeah. so keep them busy. So all there's, there's already a lot of hurt is definitely expected a lot of uh, challenges going to be there in uh, out in society so we don't know what finally the emer- what emerges but any so the only thing one can say is that uh, hopefully this whole you know internet you know so so like uh, while mm-hmm. we have been stuck at home we all say that thankfully you know we we had water electricity and internet and the essential supplies so we have been able to manage imagine if we were not having yeah. internet or if there was some uh, you know, some catastrophe where even water or electricity were uh, curtailed or something. I mean, the kind of, I can't even visualize. I mean, nobody visualized this as well. But if you had any of these things missing, it would have been much more crazier. Right. So now internet, assuming that, you know, all that is there and continues to grow, then things around like genuine business around internet, whether it's a, it's a whole fintech space or whether it's the edu- mm-hmm. edutech space, uh, healthcare uh, and around healthcare. I mean, people are. There is no time ever in in at least in my life that people have read so much and learned so much about viruses and vaccines and like you know what not yeah. as a common people, right? So it's as a heightened awareness around the subject of health and subject of yeah. taking care of oneself uh, as never before. I mean, no no other thing had ever created this level of awareness in the yeah. common people. So all those things put, you know, sort of lead you into, say, you know, self-fitness and well-being. So it's like, you know, if you're a personal trainer and can deliver course over a, over a video signal or, or like the whole education at home and constantly evolving what kind of education to give because the world is going to require different kinds of mm-hmm. skills and training. So, but the fact that if you have an engine which delivers education over the internet and delivers it to people on a pretty much as a SaaS model of sorts. I mean, that's, that's in good space. And similarly, FinTech and financial solutions and offering good opportunities or, uh, or healthcare and all these are, these look, I mean, e-commerce also is definitely e-commerce and delivery um, means and logistics and all that. So those are looking apparent to be the beneficiaries going forward. But there could be more and there could be some others which we are not able to see today until things settle down and we see what's mm-hmm. the new normal looking like. So uh, continue with that. Uh, tell me as as a, as an agency owner or a brand owner or a business owner, what are the three very important or the most important financial and non-financial KPIs 
on your dashboard and and think it from the both pre covid and the post covid world like for example on in, you mentioned that post covid roi will become a centerpiece in terms of uh, the focus so 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 what are those that key, key kpis that i should be looking at as a market right i think uh, i mean as a business as a business owner i mean what definitely we track uh, on continue to track is mm-hmm. uh, revenue uh, and revenue and direct costs so your you know and both revenue continues to be there pipeline is there and uh, you know costs are under control so you are able to see the picture that you know you are you are keeping your uh, mm-hmm. head above the water and growing so that is that continues to be there and then also the second part is cash flow so in terms of you know recoveries and money is coming in because you could be profitable but not cash flow positive then also that's a big challenge so that's the second uh, connected mm-hmm. metric and uh, you know third is probably i would say that uh, the revenue mix uh, you know like a good uh, infographic of sorts or a dashboard of sorts for revenue mix mm-hmm. from different perspectives one is that a are you uh, over are you not to ensure that you're not over skewed anywhere so either in terms of one business vertical becoming like 80% and everything else especially if you're a multi vertical business which mm-hmm. there are maze for example that are we having a reasonable balance across our different verticals because one or the other vertical could face mm-hmm. challenges at any point then if you are reasonably balanced then the others will still help you you know balance out your overall numbers similarly you know client wise you not skewed very heavily into like that one big client who if he goes then you know yeah. it takes half yeah. the revenue with it so then that kind of challenge is mm-hmm. also a challenge and the fact that what is the level of profitability of business across your different revenue cycles so you know all not all monies which come in uh, contribute equally so are we having some laggards are we having some businesses which are giving revenues but at actual level they are roi negative for the company in which case so so, so again what's the same thing is the revenue mix from that point of view revenue mix from uh, domain and geography point of view revenue mix from different verticals that's an interesting uh, useful uh, sort of metric or kpi to keep watching beyond the revenue costs and uh, cash parts if i call them media companies facebook and google sort of control about 80 to 90% of money that is spent on publishers media in the digital space uh, how do you see this uh, duopoly being broken in the night in the times to come Uh, see, I, I don't think there's anything like a never uh, being broken scenario because you know we over the years uh, you know generally I mean if you observe eras I mean the eras the the companies which have de- dominated and one era and then another company comes and dominates the next mm-hmm. era and the first one falls by the side even in the in you know like let's mm-hmm. say the computing age I mean we had IBM and we had Sun Microsystems and those kinds of people who. sort of were big big leaders in at a time and then of course microsoft microsoft is the only company by far who has straddled across multiple eras and you know which is why it's one of the most valuable companies in the world which is an exception but otherwise you know there will be obviously a next one coming in now how and what is of course very challenging but let's also understand that yeah while facebook and uh, google are there there is also amazon which is another massive guy and i'm saying from a media point of view also yeah, because yeah, they yeah. take ads and they will also be uh, relevant and likewise the whole chinese uh, of you know companies which are 
you know, because first of their own large market size, the numbers are there, and then because they become popular and they go beyond their borders and they mm-hmm. become big outside also, you know, it's uh, Alibaba or yeah. TikTok or whatever. So, so there is a challenge. It's not like like a clean race, but but you know, from where you are coming from, you do when you think in terms of duopoly and all that. Well, mm-hmm. many things could happen. One is uh, so there is a certain influence that the current uh, founder leaders play in these mm-hmm. uh, businesses, whether it's Zuckerberg or uh, you know Page and Brin, and you know while they may or may not have very operational roles, they continue to be very active in the business, very inspirational and a certain focus and their drive, uh, whether the organization can continue to maintain that level of sort of competitiveness to stay absolutely on top uh, post them, you know, at some point they might, you know, I don't know, maybe they'll get tired and bored and want to go and golf more or whatever. Uh, so that's one one angle to it that whether they will remain like that fiercely competitive to stay on top kind of a organization uh, is often a characteristic that comes from the original founder. But beyond that, I mean, beyond that is like you know we we all know that Google was not the first search engine; yeah. it's probably the fiftieth, and it was able to come and break something different and even like. Instagram has come and WhatsApp has come and everything has come later on and Twitter came. There is, there is a, there is like, I mean, in the initial stage when TikTok became big, I mean, I was saying, like, shit, what is this about this TikTok? Why is it, you know, what, what is really the drive? Now, something about a new platform can just become that glue or that engaging fact which uh, impresses millions and hundreds of millions of people and it can just pose a challenge. Now, while both of these have a certain place uh, and there is a lot of glue around the whatever, like, you know, whether it's search on one side or the whole connectedness around Facebook with all your friends and family and everything, those are, like, really hard. But, like, who knows, like, something else comes up and, you know, just by it's some inherent attractive features able to draw away and like if I could see what it would be then hopefully <laughs> I would have been you know somewhere in a garage in the Silicon Valley you know with a few programmers you know trying to actually make it happen but uh, obviously I don't but I also believe that these are not permanent like uh, you know lockdown situations and there will be something will which will emerge and you know maybe in the next five years mm-hmm. something to challenge uh, these giants could be because of various things, be because of the changing advertising models, all of these still have advertising as their biggest uh, mm-hmm. you know, means of revenue. Now, if there is a different advertising model, if there is a different format, if there is a different size of content, I mean, a different way of connecting, like one-click connection on your phone or I don't know what. I mean, I'm just thinking in terms of concepts, what could change and something comes up smarter, sharper, simpler and just mm-hmm. take it. I mean, take a at least a place in that uh, area. So it, it is definitely possible. I, I don't see them. They're very, very strong, very, very mm-hmm. formidable players today. But uh, I don't say that they're invincible. Got it. This entire breed of, you know, people next door that have suddenly become uh, huge influencers for A, brands and B, even the audiences. So in the post-COVID world, how do you see those people and their role evolving? And uh, how does the role of a regular regular celebrity influencer like a cricketer or a film star 
how that competition pan out in the next few so i think the influencer marketing space is is real it's not um, it, it's not about you know i have so many followers and i'll tweet and i'll get like so many likes kind of thing that is a very momentary transactional uh, one off kind of things which is which is how influencer marketing started out and there's still a lot of it happens that way but you know it's like finally what is this whole game of influencer marketing or what was the erstwhile uh, uh, or probably still continuing game of you know brand ambassadors or having a celebrity uh, celebrity associated with your brand it was to a to be an endorser of sorts that oh sharukh khan drives a centro it must mm-hmm. be a good car or whatever i mean there was a, and there was a appeal that you know like i love sharukh khan and i'll do what what i like i'll explore something because he yeah. says so or something like that now it was just like the only way to earn fame was through a mass media product like cinema or cricket and uh, suddenly that uh hallowed space is not that hallowed anymore because people like you said the next door guy uh can also manage you know everybody the publisher because of social media and somebody can have an interesting unique reason why they become extremely popular as well and uh, finally it's a question of you know reach but the more important question beyond reach and like that's what i was actually saying is the reason why you do other you know some percentage of people who see a celebrity or influencer do something and they follow is the whole mm-hmm. game of trust and you know trust is a big one in getting um, a, a call to action to happen in a marketing space that look if so and so brand is saying that they are doing this or something i'll trust them and i buy their product because they say so and everybody is not going and seeing certifications and this real for sure or not you're trusting the word of a certain mm-hmm. brand over time people have all become you know warrior of the brand speak because they they take all those communication with a a a lot of you know filtering that you know brand to bada choda ke hi bolegi that's where the third party comes in that's where an influencer comes in that's where a celebrity comes in to sort of say that hey uh, you know i say that this good mm-hmm. try it out and people do that because they think they you know they trust this word so if somebody else is able to inspire that same level of trust which a celebrity used to do and much more than a brand can do on their own uh, that definitely becomes uh, a relevant and interesting part of the whole marketing mix now the the part to appreciate is that how the influencer marketing is done the the method mm-hmm. to the madness now if there is just somebody who has a large following and you know today they take a contract for brand a or they take a contract for brand mm-hmm. b brand c etc competitor space then there is no relevance and there is no trust because today yesterday you said that brand a was good in the same space today you are saying brand b is good and hey what mm-hmm. is it right in in a celebrity space generally when they yeah. sign those fancy contracts with a star they lock them mm-hmm. up for at least a while so you can't be endorsing a coke and a pepsi at the same time obviously or even in a space of 3 months or 6 mm-hmm. months or something like that so that's what some influencers have abused their position by you know just randomly picking up contracts and of course the brands have also been short sighted to work with such influencers when they have themselves seen that their the same influencer was endorsing a competitor before and you now tomorrow again they might endorse one mm-hmm. more competitor but uh, as the space matures uh, both influencers and brands 
understand the relevance of influencer marketing as being more than getting a few likes on the brand's post for the day, but to actually drive action, to drive uh, consumption or acquisition, customer acquisition, then it will be done with a lot more science and maturity, like how celebrity marketing happens. In which case, it is there to stay. I mean, it's a it's a good mm-hmm. good space. Good. So, which movies, any language, any platform, do you think are the best marketing lessons for people to acquire if they watch those movies? I've been extremely impressed by the this one movie, uh, you know, Harish Chandrachi Factory, which is the story mm-hmm. of Dada Saheb Falke. You know, the the drive that the man. I mean, that that movie has been has been you know, first of all, it's come out really well. And but it shows the story of this passionate gentleman and his family, who was probably his marketing team, if you may call his wife and children. You know, literally, that was the team which played. And the way he actually convinces audiences to come and see his shows, or you know, takes with very meager means, takes the ship and goes to to the UK and you know tries to get. You know, money or like partnership from there, and come bring mm-hmm. them back, and all that fabulous story of uh, passionate marketing. And like somebody is convinced about something, and just wants people to you know, like convince convince people to do the way you want them to do. That is one. Second, second is again in the same sort of genre. When I say marketing is communicating an idea and getting a lot of people to believe mm-hmm. and follow with you, right? So there again is the, the best stories of marketing are for me at least they, the the one which impresses me second one also happens to be in the same kind are real people story and you know we also know what impact they create the second I'm talking about is Gandhi Richard Attenborough and you can see that again this person this amazing gentleman through matter of speaking and the way he engages people and maybe he's, he's sharp also okay you know while we see a simplistic uh, lifestyle. But he knows what you know, what to pull, what threads to what uh, things to pull to the right people, and get his way. Whether it is with the British people, or whether it is with the Congress Party, or whether it is followers and people who are around him, and the right message. That that's the kind of impact that you know he gets a nation behind him, right? You know, in a in a time when there was no internet, or there was no way to communicate across, and still you know he's able to get the whole nation driven around him and making. Them to go a certain way that also non-violent mm-hmm. and everything. Again, a great story. And, and likewise, in a again in a third not not fact but a fiction part of the same kind mm-hmm. is is yeah. Lagan, yeah. right? Again, <coughs> this young guy, you know, like just because of the challenge of you know getting the Lagan to be mm-hmm. uh, let go, uh, takes on a seemingly impossible task of you know playing and winning a mm-hmm. cricket game. And just gets the whole village to rally around him, you know, gets people to work around and actually come and uh, people who never played cricket before trying to figure something and do. I mean, these are all inspirational stories, but at its core, there may, there may be more, but these are the ones which come, came to mind uh, of, the, of the cup. Absolutely. Last question. Uh, if you were to give, let's say, a few nuggets of wisdom to young marketeers, what could those be? Like, for example, common mistakes to avoid, what hard skills or soft skills would be required learn in the time to come? What could those be? Okay, so going slightly uncharacteristic of the mm-hmm. times that we live in, where you know everybody lives in a world where everything happens instantaneously and quick fixes and all that, one needs to appreciate that to 
create and hone a skill and if you are talking about a marketing as a career to hone a skill takes effort and experience so you know be be at it for a long time with a keen intent to constantly improve i mean i've seen people working you know in, in some of the other role and in two years they come and say so i think i've learned what is there to learn now i want to do something else which is fine i mean if you're experimenting and doing something else is okay i'm just saying uh, that's fine but say if you wanted to be the best copywriter or you wanted to be the best you know designer or or you want to be the best sales person i mean it takes time and effort and learning to get there so don't look for shortcuts don't look for quick fixes because it's not going to work second thing i tell especially in uh, the team in viram and you know when we are talking to people about careers and all that that sometimes you could be in a space and you know digital marketing for example if somebody is in the digital marketing space today they they are in a space where uh, um, it's a hot space it will only grow many fold over the next several years so if one is already there today or if there was somebody has started 5 years back you are in a place which is going to become hot property already it's in that direction now you could probably not do anything and just keep flowing as long as you don't screw up yourself you will still grow at a certain decent space maybe there's a you know 10 20% growth a year i'm not talking about money but i'm just saying from a growth rate point of view on the other end if you choose to you know take a little more effort today you can sharply improve your growth rate and become a leader in no, no time because you know unfortunately the average person today i mean there's a lament that i have and i share with a few other entrepreneurs that the drive in younger people is sadly on an average mm-hmm. i'm not talking about everybody is not that great i mean people because somewhere you know there's so much distraction and so many other things to do in life that you know from a professional career perspective one is often um, sort of okay to accept uh, you know a, a decent like okay jitna kar diya na bas hua type of uh, effort as against you know probably and i'm not saying mind but i mean i think in earlier time when you didn't have enough choice and this was the only thing if you didn't do this well then you know shit like what else you will do so you were grinding yourself to become big better and better and better i'm not i don't see it on an average i mean there will be always exceptions so i'm saying if you can be in that exceptional part and keep honing your skills the leaders which will emerge tomorrow because today if there are the big leaders in the advertising and marketing world are guys or people who came from a traditional media background traditional advertising background and today they have brand names but in 5 years 10 years time those the respect will be to names which have emerged out yeah. of the digital world and it will be those levels or more you know is that sort of thing i mean you take an example of cricket right you know gavaskar came out of the you know shivaji park and this and that and mm-hmm. he reached a certain level i mean sachin came and you know beat that level and virat in a very different way a more aggressive way and a more sort of in your face way is going to a completely different level because the space yeah. constantly evolves so one a young marketer today could he clearly aspire to be one of those leaders provided you really you know hone your skills so well take everything uh, you know because unfortunately you know covid apart covid is creating a different era for us 
but pre covid for a lot of these spaces the job security mm. was yeah. not a issue because the demand for skill mm. was more than supply so theek hai you know if supposing somebody is not good in a particular organization the organizing says yeah i don't want to continue point is he just walks into another competing business and picks up another job maybe at 20% more also or mm. more so if that's not driving you that i'll lose a job and i won't have a job if that's not driving you only thing that can drive you is self you know internal mm-hmm. self motivation and that self motivation is required now post covid days may be different job loss may happen and you know somebody may work hard to keep the job also that we don't know it, but otherwise self motivation is key so i think that that's an important factor for people to keep in mind that was sanjay mehta for you he is the joint ceo at miram digital i hope you enjoyed the conversation please do write in to us and give us your feedback You just heard the latest episode of the Marketing Connect podcast, a show for marketers by marketers. The show was brought to you by C4E and the Podium.